MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome to the New York City Cast, presented by Bet River Sportsbook. A Tuesday show for you. Ryan Glasspiegel of the New York Post will join us. We'll talk some NBA as the Nets get eliminated. We'll talk some NBA futures, NBA playoffs. Also get into some NFL stuff, NFL draft. He's got some NFL futures he likes. So looking forward to that. Uh, but we start here with the end, and that is the end of basketball season in New York. The Knicks long gone, and now the Nets, who... Win as many playoff games as the Knicks as they get swept by Boston, really. I mean, you think back to last Sunday. It's, what, nine days ago? We looked like we were headed for this epic series. Game one is great. Nets have like a five-point lead with three or four minutes to go. They're up three with 30 seconds to go. All right, they lose. Tough one. Bounce back. You're up 17 before you can blink on that, what was it, Tuesday. That might have been the Wednesday. Game two, they're up 17. And to think, you know, up three with 30 seconds to go, up 17 in game two, to not get one win uh, and, and get swept in this series is really, it's hard to believe. It's disappointing, too. Just from a neutral observer standpoint, I was hoping for like seven games of these where, look, Boston's probably the better team. They were the better team. They're more athletic. They're bigger. I don't think the Nets were particularly well coached here. I, you know, some of these p- people on Twitter that I, I really respect and trust in terms of basketball saying, look, Nash has not done anyone any favors playing these small guys, these small lineups, putting Durant on a fl- on a position in the floor where it's easy to double team him on the elbow there. Uh, could have done some things differently. I think there's a scenario where the Nets could have won the series. I really do. But look, Boston, uh, a hell of a defensive team. I, I understand that. But look, part of this, part of the deal in the NBA, offense beats defense. If you're a great player, 
if you're a great player, you don't get that excuse of, well, the defense is good. That's why I didn't play well. So now Durant played a little better. Yeah, didn't play great. Still had some turnovers. Still missed you know a bunch of shots. Uh, if you listen to the show yesterday, I mentioned I like Durant's prop total over, and I don't really get into the props that much. Maybe I should do more of them. I really thought Durant, look, if you're going to lose, he was going to go down swinging, and he did go down swinging. He took like 28 shots. Look, he didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but he forced the issue, and you live with Durant shooting the ball, even if it's not a great shot for him. You'd rather have Durant shoot it than somebody else. And uh, Durant here with 39 points, 13 to 31. So look, I mean, you can't really knock the guy when he scores 39, but he did shoot 31 times. Kind of the game I really thought he would have where he'd go down swing and shoot the ball and kind of force the issue. And boy, if he just got like an average series from Durant, this thing would probably be 2-2 right now instead of 4-0 Boston. But uh, just big picture from the Nets. Where do you go from here? I mean, we'll, we'll talk with Ryan coming up and I just don't know. Is Durant done winning titles? You, you can usually say that about most guys because it's unlikely in any year that you're going to win a title, but it's hard to see a path for Brooklyn here where it looked last year like they were destined for one title, maybe more. It looked like they were the clear favorite last year. They were going to win the title. I, w- I can say that definitively. They were going to win the title last year if Harden and Kyrie didn't get hurt. Then they get hurt and just fell apart, and then you know Kyrie won't get the vaccine. Harden wants out, and it's just kind of falling apart. And I don't know where you go here if you're the Nets. You know, I don't know how you really improve this roster. You can't really trust Kyrie. Do you bring him back? Okay, let's say you do bring him back, but what's the rest of this roster look like with Simmons? Who knows what you get out of him? And there's just not a whole lot. You know, you go all in on stars. You need your stars to carry in. They're just, I guess you count Kyrie as a star, one and a half stars with Durant and Kyrie. I think Kyrie's a good player. I don't think he's a great player. He didn't give you a whole lot in this series. Boy, he was unbelievable in game one, but he doesn't give you a lot on defense. And, you know, he didn't, uh, he didn't do much after game one. And you know, he was, he looked check out at moments uh, in game four. He really did. And, and Ruko on yes, did a great job pointing this out. 1.5 seconds left. I think it was first half left in the first half. They inbound to Kyrie. He makes no effort. He catches the ball and lays it on the ground. And Ruko called him out. He said, look, you're down eight. It's an elimination game. Why are you worried about your field goal percentage? Shoot the ball from half court. Shoot it from three quarters court. Who knows? It's a one in 300 chance it goes in or whatever it is. Who cares? Shoot the ball. And he just catches it, lays it down. It's very, I mean, that's a bad look. That drives me nuts. Just like Ruko said, shoot the damn ball. I mean, my goodness. Uh, and the Nets, they made a run. Look, they got some help from the ref. Scott Foster was infamous for uh, for helping certain teams make runs, foul Tatum out. Uh, you know, the Nets, it looked like, I thought they were going to come back and win the game for a moment. They never kind of got, got over the hump. Durant had a three to, to tie it, wouldn't go in. Looked like when Dragic banked that three and that maybe it was the Nets' night and they'd steal one, but... Just every time tonight, every time last night, every time in the in, in the series, every time the Nets made a run, it was just answered by Brooklyn, uh, answered by Boston. Boston had a run for every Nets run. Everyone. Nets got up 12-5 Saturday night, game three. Boom. Boston comes right back, takes the lead. Every time the Nets made a run, the Celtics answered it. And so the Celtics move on. The Nets sit here with a lot of questions as their season ends in a four-game sweep, uh, a team that was – pretty much the favorite coming into the season to win it all. They were saying all year. I mean, they were 6-1 to one to win it all. That was just ridiculous. I mean, this team, uh, look, when you, when you have Durant, you have a chance, and that was kind of always the default position. But this team obviously had its flaws. I mean, we were betting against them the last few weeks every night just when they're big favorites against even these bad teams like the Rockets and the Pistons and the Pacers. It's like, look, these teams are just too – these teams are not very good. The, the Nets are too small to even stop them. You know, the Rockets had a good game against them. The Pacers put up 126. Nets just weren't good enough defensively. 
And the assumption when you trade it for Simmons that you're going to get something out of Simmons. For all of his flaws, he could provide you the length, the size, the defense, and uh, just never happened. So the Nets are out. Durant with a bad series. Decent game four, but just a bad series. Uh, and look, this kind of goes on his legacy when you're starting to add up, you know, titles, resumes, all that in terms of top 10, 15 players. This is a sweep in the first round. This is three really bad games, a fourth, you know, okay game. Again, he scored 39, so you can't kill him. But uh, this is one that, look, you know, he, all, his only two titles are with a set when he joined a 73-win team. Then you have this kind of performance on top of it. Uh, it's it's going to take a hit for him. Now, look, he's still Durant. He's still a great player. But uh, this one, this is a knock against him. This really is a knock against him. So the Nets are out. Celtics will play the Bucks once the Bucks dispatch the Bulls here in a couple days. Should be a great second round. Should be a great second round. Uh, we don't know now. Now it's 3-2 Sixers uh, in the Raptors series. Boy, if they blow a 3-0 lead, it's really not impossible. It's really not impossible. But if we got Sixers heat and... Um, you know, Bucks, Celtics, that's a hell of a second round in the East. So Nets are out. We transition to baseball for the rest of the spring and the summer. We'll still do some NBA, but we'll focus obviously more on the local teams. And what a win for the Mets on Monday night. My goodness. Down 2 nothing. Yeah, down 2 nothing. Two outs, two strikes. Man on first, little ground ball. Uh, Arenado can't handle it. And a five-run rally ensues. Nimmo hits a homer. Big hits left and right. That's the kind of game the Mets have lost. That's the kind of game the Mets have been on the other end for year after year. They're like the Jets where they're just there's always a black cloud over their head. To win that kind of game, look, I've been telling you, there's something special with this Mets team. There's a uh, there's there's just a good vibe. There's a good feeling to this Mets team. And boy, you win a game like that, it starts to feel like something special is brewing because that was just a hell of a win. I mean, you could watch your baseball team play every day, every game, five years, 10 years, 20 years. You might never see a win like that. Just such an improbable, improbable comeback. I'd love to see the numbers in terms of what they were live betting. Now, some of these, you know, some of the live betting options go away. Once you're two outs, two strikes in the ninth, live betting usually isn't up just because it's any second now the game could be over and it's it's just hard to have a window. But Boy, I can't even imagine what number you could have gotten on the Mets. Just a miraculous win in what's turning out to be or what's looking like uh, could be a special season. I mean, the Mets, just a great win. Their 13th win. Scherzer threw the ball great. This was a bad beat if you had the under because over-under was 6.5, and, and it's no score bottom eight. Oh, my goodness. Then it's 2 nothing, two out in the ninth with two strikes. Imagine losing that ticket. I'm sure somebody listening now has had the under or had the over. Hey, if you had the over, uh, you know, go buy a lotto ticket, give some money to charity, something. My goodness. That's uh that's a tough one if you had the under though. My God, you can never relax if you have the under. You always think in worst case scenario when you're an under better, and that is just an all time bad beat if you had the under. But Mets are in good shape now. Mets are in good shape. We'll, we'll find out more about the the Grom MRI soon. Haven't heard anything yet. But the Mets are in good shape as they take on the Cardinals again tonight. It is Scherzer. Uh, I'm sorry, Scherzer pitched last night. It is Bassett minus 110 against Hicks. Hicks, of course, throws the ball like 103 miles an hour. Was a closer. Had Tommy John. Now they're stretching him out into a starter. So, uh, look, I'm going to take the Mets here minus 110. I just the Mets have been a cash cow for me. Mets have, like I said, they've got some good vibes around them. It's a good team. It's not just the good vibes. They got a good team. They got good pitching. A good lineup. They get timely hits. So. To me, Mets minus one ten is a bet. You can still get them plus money to win the division at Bet Rivers. That's a hell of a bet. That's a steal. The Mets are going to win this division. I I know we're only, you know, 
two, three weeks into the season. To me, the Mets are going to win this division, barring something really disastrous in terms of the pitching. So Mets tonight, Mets to win the division. Boy, what a hell of a win that was. Uh, the Yankees coming off a sweep of the Guardians, which is still weird to say. They are a minus 300 favorite at Bet Rivers. Uh, the total seven and a half as it's Severino who's pitched well against Lyles. Yankees usually kill the Orioles. Yankees should hit Lyles, but boy, they had trouble with Baltimore a couple weekends ago. So maybe not as confident as I would be. You can lay the minus one and a half. And if you're going to bet the Yankees, boy, I just don't never feel comfortable laying minus 300. Maybe you just lay the one and a half minus the 130 and figure they're going to win. They're going to win by two or more runs. So would, would lean towards the Yankees tonight. I definitely like the Mets. And again, Mets to win the division. Uh, remains just to me a, a really good price, a really good bet. So that's the baseball. The Nets are done. Mets are in good shape. Yankees in action tonight, as are the Mets. Coming up next, Ryan Glassbeagle on NBA Futures, the Nets, Durant, where he goes from here. We'll get into some NFL draft. He's got some NFL Futures. That is next. This is the New York City cast. But before we get to Ryan, Bet Rivers gives you more reasons to root, root, root for the home team with a 20% profit boost on all MLB games. Log on today and place your bets on the money line, point spread, or who will hit the long ball, and you will earn a 20% profit boost on any baseball game. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Peanuts and hot dogs not included. Log on to BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app and place your bets. Must be 21 or older. Available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, coming up next, Ryan Glassbeagle, the New York Post. We'll talk some futures. That is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Baseball is here, and Bet Rivers has a special offer for you every Saturday throughout the season. Place a three-leg same-game parlay of at least $25, and you will earn a $10 free bet. With same-game parlays, you can combine player props and game bets to make your perfect combo. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Claim your offer on the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com. Must be 21 or older, available in New York only, void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, we are back. New York City cast, Bet River Sportsbook. The Nets have just been eliminated. Uh, we got the draft this week. We finally got somebody I've been recruiting for a while. I'm a big fan of. He writes for the New York Post. He covers sports. He covers entertainment. He does it all. Ryan Glasspiegel. What's up, Ryan? Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, Will. Much appreciated. All right. I guess we'll start there because the Nets have just been eliminated. Uh, boy, you think about it. Durant, LeBron, Kyrie, Anthony Davis, they don't win one combined playoff game this year. Throwing Westbrook, throwing Ben Simmons, throwing all these other guys. Uh, I guess we'll start with Durant just because you know, he played a little better tonight, 30-something points, still didn't play great. Um are you surprised? I, I, I've been shocked here that he hasn't gotten kind of more crap, to, to, for lack of a better word, for how poorly he's played. Are you surprised a little bit with the media coverage uh, the past few days with Durant playing so poorly? Well, he, he does have these built-in excuses with Ben Simmons not playing and Kyrie Irving not playing for most of the season, then playing halftime, then finally playing full-time and just the way that you know, when you've got three contracts like Durant, Kyrie, and Simmons in the NBA salary cap, it's really tricky to, like, fill out the roster with other good players. It's not to say they're totally bare. I mean, Bruce Brown's a pretty good player. They have a few other good players on the team. But um, 
I think that just there's so much energy on blaming Simmons and Kyrie that even though Durant um, should should have some agency in the fact that he decided to team up with those players and he decided that he wanted Steve Nash to be the coach. Um, I guess I can understand your point why he's not getting blamed more, but I also understand why he's not. Are you surprised they got swept? I mean, I don't think anybody shocked Boston beat them. I think Boston, which is, uh, you know, they're a pretty interesting story in and of themselves. I mean, they're a very mediocre team for a long time. Then they come to life and they're this this juggernaut. I'm not surprised Boston uh, beat yeah, them. They really came they out of nowhere. Them. Out of nowhere. Completely out of nowhere. Um, are you surprised they swept them? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely surprised it was a sweep. You keep hearing it, they were like a, a super bad matchup for the Nets just on how tenaciously they play defense, especially, um, I mean, the, the, the Nets really could have used Simmons on the defensive end coming out. But with, with Durant circling back to him, he had to play so many minutes over these last several months to cover up what we were talking about and the fact that like the Nets needed to win those games just to get in the play-in. And I don't think that he had his full legs at this point. And so, you know, there was a several year stretch where I think you could really make a legitimate case that Durant was the best player in the world, even better than LeBron, even better than Steph Curry. I don't think you can make that case right now. And to your point, like, yeah, it's surprising, even um, though you know that he's not the greatest player on the planet anymore, to see any team that he's on get swept. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty uh, interesting MVP debate with Embiid, Jokic, and you throw kind of Giannis in there as the third guy. I've been of the opinion, look, if Durant played 65, 70 games, uh, he would be in the mix with all these guys. And for one game, I'd probably take him over any of them. If this was two weeks ago, I just think I'm shocked because yeah. I'm a huge fan of his game. I don't really like him, and we can get into this. Do you find him hard to root for? I feel like you know he's just gotten very contentious these last few years. He's very sensitive, um, you know, really dating back. And again, to go back on the court, um, you know, he's had a few of these moments Oklahoma City. Remember his last game with the Thunder? He came up small. Uh, yeah, they that... gave him that Mr. Unreliable headline. Yeah, uh, and that Oklahoma was like the paper. biggest the biggest insult he's ever heard. And they had to issue an apology. So he's had a few of these moments uh, on the court, which is funny because he gets so much crap for the decision to go to Golden State. But he kind of slides a little bit uh, in terms of these on-court on performances. But... Uh, I don't know. Just your general thoughts in, in terms of Durant. Is he, you know, do you find him harder to root for now th these last few years? I don't find him harder to root for. I like the fact that he gives me as a content creator content. I like. I I, I wish every athlete was as kind of transparent about what he thinks all the time as Durant is. You don't ever have to accuse Durant of being insincere or holding his cards too close to the vest. Now, that being said, I will criticize him for the decision to pick the Nets over the Knicks. I think that if he had assembled this team on the Knicks, I I, I write for the Post, but I, I'm, I grew up in Connecticut and I root for Wisconsin sports teams, so I don't really have a dog in the Knicks-Nets fight, other than the fact that it would have been a lot more interesting night in and night out 
if he was playing in Madison Square Garden instead of the Barclays Center. Yeah, that was going to be one of my next questions. What if all this happened on the Knicks? Not just the Durant stuff, but the drama with Simmons, the Kyrie stuff, Harden. I mean, the Nets have had so much drama the last few years. Uh, how would this play out differently? Would it play out differently if you think this stuff is happening? It would Madison definitely play out different, differently, and it's impossible to construct an alternate universe based on that because each domino would have been perceived so differently that they never would have all fallen in the same way. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. And I think, you know, Kyrie not playing that first half of the year, first of all, a lot of it was football season. It's with the Nets. I mean, it was more of a national story than a local story. I can't imagine how that would have gone over if he's on the New York Knicks and basically sitting out the first, you know, half of the season. Or, or imagine Harden forcing himself out yes. and then imagine them acquiring Simmons and Simmons just never playing. That was not in the cards when they right. acquired Simmons. Nobody ever heard of this back injury until he joined the Nets. It was like assumed that he was going to be playing within a couple weeks when they acquired him. And not only was that not the case, he never suited up at all. Yeah, no doubt. It's a good point. You know, they traded for him. And just like you said, it was like, all right, we'll have to ramp him up. It'll take a couple weeks. You know, it was maybe a week or two before the All-Star break. But yeah, you're right. It wasn't this, uh, it wasn't assumed like this that he was just never going to show up. Now, I can understand being down 3 nothing, not wanting to bust him out. But to, to not play at all is really uh, just kind of confounding. Yeah. And I mean, now, do we think we ever see him? Because he... Uh, you know, it's so difficult to to say somebody's faking something, but he has no benefit of the doubt from anyone because this back injury was concocted out of nowhere. And then the, the mental health stuff, which, like, is very serious and you never know what somebody's going through. But he didn't bring any of that up until after he had demanded a trade out of Philadelphia. And so... He's left with these like physical and emotional issues that he says he has that are like just for our purposes totally unverifiable. And so, I, you know, if you're the Nets and you're Durant, like let's say you're Durant and you have this decision to make. If the Lakers offered Russell Westbrook for Ben Simmons and they could figure out to make the money matching work, which I'm not like a salary cap expert, and so I'm not sure what other pieces would need to be included in that or whatever, would you consider that if you're Durant? Wow. Hadn't thought of that. Hadn't thought of that. You know, the his flip reunion side with that. Harden didn't go so great, but um, I think that if you're Durant, you could expect more out of Westbrook next year than you could out of Simmons. It would just be tough from a roster standpoint because Westbrook's not the biggest guy and they already have Kyrie, assuming you bring him back, which I don't know that that's a given. And you just have all these small guys between Kyrie and Mills and Dragic. Not that the team's going to look the same this year, next year, uh, you know, next year as it did this year. But uh, again, that's just so many, you know, point guard size guys. The, the benefit of it is, you, you get off of Simmons' money. I, I think Westbrook has one year left on his deal. So, you know what? You put up with Westbrook for a year and, you know, maybe it gives you some flexibility going forward. But how many, you know, prime years does Durant have left? I think it's a fascinating question. Yeah, I, I don't know. Durant's move is going to have to be like forcing his way out of Brooklyn at this point. I don't see a scenario where this feels salvageable right now. 
Yeah, and if, look, not to be all about titles, but if he ends his career with only the two titles and it's the two in Golden State where he joins a 73-win team and that's all he ever wins, boy, it's... Uh, well, you he's know, he's be an... been like an enormously successful investor. So if, if he like never made a dollar other than what he's made in the NBA, he would be enormously successful. But considering that he's probably, if he's not a billionaire on paper, he's certainly nearing it at this point. Um, you know, that, that's an aspect of him that doesn't really get like mentioned as much. He's been in like all these businesses, like he was in Coinbase really early and like several others that he's just made a fortune on. But no, to your point his basketball legacy, if he finishes career, his career with just those two golden state titles, um, you know, it's going to be open season on him. Yeah, it really will because he's really in that conversation. Top 10, top 15 guy all time. And boy, it's funny. It's hard to just discount titles, but I think you ask a lot of people, they don't really count him as titles just because of the circumstances, you know, which he joined the team. Um, let's just, let's look at the updated odds here for, for you know, who's going to win it all. Warriors are about three to one. Celtics, three to one. Suns, five to one. Then you go Bucks, six to one. So are the Heat. Grizzlies twelve to one, Sixers fourteen to one, Mavs twenty five to one, Jazz thirty to one. Uh, we can pretty much stop there. Timberwolves one hundred and fifty one. Yeah. If you're frisky, <laughs> uh, and we're recording this Monday night, so th this might change obviously. But those are about the odds we're looking at here. Bet Rivers, anything jump out at you? Who do you think wins the title? Who do you see as value there? Um, at that at those numbers. I like the Bucks. I've been betting them all year. I do root for them. So you can like say, okay, he's just being a Bucks homer. But I mean, they're the defending champions. And what if they if they beat the Celtics, like, which is a big if, there I think that you can like put them into Sharpie into the East into the into the NBA finals. Like I think the Bucks Celtics series is going to be they they're playing each other, right? I don't have that wrong, do I? Yeah, no, you're uh, right. Um gotta get by the Bulls first, though. No. I th I think that I, I'll put them past there, but um you know, obviously, how much does the how much does the Middleton injury scare you? Because yeah, I've been no, picking the Bucks all year. I thought the up. Bucks were he, he's yeah. clearly important and it's an unknown factor, but you're getting value out of that unknown, you know? Yeah, it just looks like, and I've been saying the same thing you've been saying all year, the Bucks are undervalued. A lot of the year, the Bucks and the Nets had the same price. It's like, look, I don't get it. I know the, the Nets have Durant, but at the time, the Nets were going to have to at least go through one playing round, maybe two. Uh, you know, they weren't guarding anybody, and the Bucks just kind of, look, they had their moments where they had, you know, these teams have their championship hangover, and I think the Bucks certainly had that, but... Uh, I'm with you. I just I, I'm a little I scared think, off by the Middleton injury. I think Giannis is the best player in the league, probably by is, more yeah. like a bigger margin than people realize. And I, I I don't think people realize that he kind of like fixed his free throw shooting. Um, that kind of you know it was weird. He had a weird career arc because he was a good free throw shooter, then he was an abysmal one, and now he's turned back into a serviceable one. And I think that people in their mind of Giannis still remember like NBA bubble heat frustrating him, like him not making his free throws in that series. That I think they also remember like his lot, like his losses against the Raptors and the Heat are remembered more than the fact that they won the title last year. And so, 
if you're asking me like the numbers you provided, I'd go Bucks. Like obviously the Warriors need to be considered the favorites right now just because they're clicking on all cylinders and they're the healthiest team, but we don't know that their legs are going to be working in a month. Like it's not some given that Steph, Clay and Draymond are all going to be healthy. Like we we can't talk about the Bucks and like the Suns with Booker's injury being banged up without mentioning the possibility that something happens with these older Warriors too. Yeah, and it's the same thing as last year where injuries are just a big factor in it. And like you said, you don't know who's going to get hurt next with Embiid's thumb, Lowry's hurt, Middleton, Booker. I mean, it's just every night somebody's getting hurt. It's I don't know what the solution is. Maybe it's bad luck. I, I don't. I don't really know. You know how you correct it. It just. It definitely hurts the product a little bit. And they're, they're coming futures. off two years of like yeah. um, compressed uh, of compressed seasons, and that clearly yeah. has had um, some type of impact. Yeah. No. I think. I think you're right. Absolutely. Uh, what do you think's the best? Just the best finals for the NBA from if, if you could give Adam uh, Adam Silver just a magic wand and say here pick your finals would it be what, well definitely Celtics, Warriors. Warriors I Warriors Celtics would be the best for ratings Warriors Celtics going at least six games yeah even that's not great I mean I don't know that is great that's great that um, you think so the the Warriors so the the Warriors like have drawn the biggest finals numbers since the Jordan era. Now, granted, they were paired LeBron, with LeBron yeah. in those, but the Warriors versus LeBron series drew, like, 30% higher for the first three of them than, like, the LeBron Heat series finals did. So uh, the the Warriors are massive draws, so just them in it. And then the Celtics, you, you've got the, like, historical lineage um jason tatum played at duke you know so people are familiar with him from that even before the nba um and so i i think the the celtics versus the warriors would draw more than the bucks versus the warriors but um maybe not dramatically so now it's a dramatic difference between the Suns or whoever else you want to say could come out of the West and the Warriors. But I don't think it makes as big of a difference in the East, provided it goes at least six games. Yeah, like you mentioned, those Warriors ones were against LeBron. You know, a couple of them involved Durant. They involved Curry. So, you know, that'll be, be interesting to see if that's the, that is indeed the final. If it's Celtics, Warriors, how good of a rating it does. Uh, we are back on more of a, a normal time frame in terms of, you know, the finals in the bubble was what, October, late September. Last year, even it was went until mid late July. So, right. Be interested to see, you know, if there's any juice for a Warrior Celtics finals. I think there will be. And I think the next round, I think, will be really good. Uh, I think Celtics Bucks is a great, great second round. Now, remember the Bucks. That last day of the season, they kind of punted. They said, you know what? We'll we'll give you the two seed. We want to be the three seed and play the Bulls. We're not going to worry about second. We're not, you know, we're not going to worry about home court in the second round. Uh, that could be an issue here where game seven it would be in Boston. So I don't know if that's a factor, but that should be a hell of a series. How how much does home field even matter now? It's weird. I don't I don't know that I feel like in, in a game seven world it's come back though. Yeah. I think from the betting market, I saw one of the reports today saying it's basically worth a point, and they value it at like two and a half points, so there's some some value on the road team. 
I would just look, maybe it's I'm old school, maybe it's not backed by the data. Although I do think game sevens, the home team plays particularly well. Now, part of that's, you know, they're the higher seed, so they're the home seed, so that's a built-in advantage. But I do think, look, all things being equal, you'd rather play it at, at home than on the road for a game seven. I think that people having their attention divided between the games and their phones has eroded home yeah. field advantage across sports. That's the, Yeah, you might be right. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. Uh, you know, Boston's one that still has a good home crowd. Again, not all home crowds are equal. We saw tonight Brooklyn. I mean, that's not yeah, much of a home crowd. They have them having home field advantage. And it's not even clear it's any advantage. Right. And you're, you said you're a Wisconsin guy. I mean, we've seen the Packers year after year lose at home in the playoffs. Yeah, their roster isn't – I mean, Rodgers is just not – his his style of play is not like kind of – um, win in 15 degree weather, unfortunately. Yeah, they're a, they're kind of like a dome team that plays in Lambeau. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. We can get to football here in a minute. I know you got some thoughts on football. Uh, just quickly, because I heard you with Ethan Strauss. You guys do a great job on the call and on the house of Strauss. Your thoughts here on a LeBron list playoffs? Is it, you think this is good for the league? It's probably not good ratings wise. Is it good to see some new blood? Have you enjoyed it? Yeah, I think it's definitely good on a long term perspective. I mean, think about how much fresher it is that there's not a LeBron segment leading first take or undisputed every day. Um, yeah. Just, you know, I, I get it that for the time being, his games might, like, they were the second biggest draw national TV by average to the Warriors this past year. Um, like, I had the NBA look that up for me this week. But at the same time, I don't know. I'm just, like, sick of him. I'm sick of his demeanor. I'm sick of the fact that he doesn't have any gratitude, that he, like, the, the fans for these players, like, you know, it, it means a lot that these Warriors, Bucks, Celtics are all homegrown teams. Um, I, you know, I think that it matters in terms of how does. connected fans are, not just locally, but nationally. The fact that there's like continuity now, I guess like Tatum hasn't had as much of like an opportunity to like explore free agency as like Giannis and Curry and Thompson and Green have at this point. But still the fact that like, this is a team that was like constructed through the draft grew together. It, it matters. I'm sorry. It just does. Like, I'm for player empowerment. I don't begrudge LeBron for leaving all the times that he did. I do begrudge him for the fact that he doesn't seem to consider that any of his circumstances are luck. Like, Grant, yeah, I get it. He's worked extraordinarily hard, and all this, like, time and energy he's put into his body is very laudable. But look at, like, the size and body type and athleticism he was born with. You don't see any type of acknowledgement from him of just, like, how fortunate he was. I feel like his floor was being Kwame Brown. Like, it wasn't... Yeah. It, it, the The... He 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 just doesn't show that he really appreciates kind of any of like these gifts that were not earned, you know. It's a good point. I really hadn't thought of it that way. No, you're right. It's uh, it's a good point, and I think. To your point about being homegrown, I think it's really good for the league to go back to the Nets. I think it's good that this whole thing with Harden, Durant, Kyrie, it didn't work out because they, you know, everything they've done is kind of what's wrong with the league and what people that don't like the league point to with. 
orchestrating trades. Harden said, you know what, I'm not going to play here. Trade me there. Not only am I not going to play here, but here's where you are going to trade me, that kind of thing. Not playing during the regular season. All of that. And it didn't really work out where it looked like a year ago they were set up to be a super team and it just it, it didn't work out. I have a conspiracy theory based on no inside information. Let's do I it. think Come on. that when Maury departed the Rockets, him and Harden made a deal to um, team up together on the 76ers. And Maury this year was still beholden to the deal, even though it wasn't in his best interest. It would have been in the better interest of the Sixers to trade Ben Simmons to the Blazers for CJ McCollum. You see how well he's playing for the Pelicans in these playoffs. I think the Sixers would have been better off with McCollum than Harden. It's not crazy. Yeah, I've heard, I think it was Zach Lowe made the point that this is all a big conspiracy, that the Nets were kind of the victim in this and that they used them to get them. And uh, yeah, it's, I've heard some crazy theories about that. And you you, know, you make an interesting point. McCollum would have helped the Sixers. I've heard people say, you know what, if you trade into the Spurs for like DeJounte Murray and White, that would have rounded out the team a little better. And yeah, Harden hasn't looked great. Harden. I, Do I we know, know the Spurs would have taken Simmons or Simmons no, would have gone there? Like it's Not necessarily. You know, Simmons is this like peculiar fellow that... He's he has agency in where they were able to trade him. I think he would have gone to the Blazers because you know that's a situation that might have actually been better for him. He doesn't need to carry the ball all the time because they've got Lillard. There's not a lot of national pressure coming out of Portland, and so I think that would have been better for him. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, I think it's a good point. We can transition here to football. The draft here is a few days away. Uh, it's kind of a weird draft season. There's not that elite quarterback. There's not the lock number one pick. Now, those are kind of intertwined. It's kind of like saying the same thing. But I don't know. Do you get the sense there's a lot of buzz for the draft or not as much as usual? No, there's no buzz for the draft. And to that point, I don't have any opinions on the draft. Um, yeah. The fact that there's like no quarterbacks, I don't know. It, it's tricky for me to bet on the draft because you're you're really just kind of you're betting on markets being wrong instead of like having any type of real like feel that you can generate on your own. Um, there are people who are good at it, like Connor Allen at four for four. He can like study these markets and figure out where they're wrong. I don't have the patience for that. And so <laughs> um, I just I punted on any NFL draft bets this year. I usually do very well on it. I've, I have anxiety because I feel like I'm missing out, but I don't have as many as usual. I would say just for future reference, the tips I would have is have multiple books and just find the discrepancy. I remember during, yeah, I it was during I, the bubble year. I just year. compare everything to Circa, and if you find a big variance from Circa, bet the other side. That's what I did last year. Yeah, well, if you have enough books, like I remember Jonathan Taylor at one book was under 40 and a half and over 44 and a half, and you just play the middle. I remember he hit it like 42. So things like that. And again, it just becomes a race for information where, you know, for whatever reason, Walker, a, a number moves on him where he's the underdog to be the number one pick and then he's the favorite. So if you can just be kind of quick to the punch, you can make money that way. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. It's uh, I don't have any opinion on these linemen. I'm thinking about content for the week and doing draft previews. Like, should I do? Because I got to do four of these a week. Uh, you know, should I do a preview on Thursday and then a reaction? Yeah, just on have Friday? a draft guy on and let let him be the shooting guard. Right. 
no, you're right. And then I'm like, do I need to do a show on Friday? What am I going to talk about on Friday? The Giants and Jets both have picks. I understand that both in the top 10, but I'm not going to come in on here and you know talk about the offensive linemen for North Carolina Winners State. Like losers. I have any idea. Like, How does anybody know? To know? Nobody knows. Like that's the thing is once you figure out with the draft that nobody knows anything and everybody is just kind of speaking confidently without honestly having any real clue whether and they might think they have a clue but they actually don't once you look at like their record and their projections like it it just i don't know once you realize that all of this stuff is bogus it makes it very hard to get emotionally wrapped up in it and i'm lucky that i haven't been assigned to do anything super draft intensive um yet this year now i'll be like writing on the draft live but hopefully it'll be like oh this um pick's girlfriend is like very enthusiastic or something i don't think i'm gonna have to do anything to do with how good or bad or whatever these players are gonna be what was it? It was two years ago, I think, during the bubble one, where that was like the greatest sporting event of all time because we hadn't had sports in forever and we were still a few months away from having it. And they just that was nailed the, it. Yeah, the production. like they, We hadn't seen any. Debbie Downer one, like, though. That was the one where it was like, well, this guy had a tragedy in third grade. This guy's you know, pet died when he was in sixth grade. That was the one where they, <laughs> they did the Debbie Downer stuff. Yeah, that, I that forgot about all like that, that. But it, ESPN was just like, you know, playing the somber ballads all night. Yeah, like uh, their interviews must have been, hey, what's the worst thing that's ever happened to you? We're going to run with that. It was kind of a weird approach to take to it. Um, You mentioned their stuff. So, so no opinions on the draft? No bets on the draft at all? None. I don't have any bets on it yet. I don't even have anyone that I've been like tailing. I don't, it's, uh, I was away this past weekend. I was in California where I couldn't bet. And so I haven't gotten back into my betting flow yet this week. Yeah, I mean, you, you made a good point. We don't really know a lot about these it guys. Was, not that you especially care, but, like, I was in California, and my flight that was already going to get in around midnight got delayed by two and a half hours last night. So I got in at 3 a.m. and then, in like, had to wake up at, like, 7 for a full day, and I just haven't gotten on my bet, like, grind back yet. Other than at, futures picks, I'm going to give out for your audience. I appreciate that. And as we're recording, uh, Toronto is up 94-79 on Philly. So we will have a game six in that series, and we will have a game seven. I can't even imagine what the internet will be well, like. We don't if know Doc have Rivers... a game seven. I'm saying we could, we will have a game six, and we might have a game seven. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine what will happen here if Doc Rivers and Harden blow a 3 nothing lead? My goodness. It's, it's certainly on funny. the table at this point. Um, yeah, futures. What uh, what do you like? What do you got? Okay, so I want to like explain my general strategy first because um, these picks make more sense in the context of them. So I already have pretty big bets on the Packers and Broncos from odds that are like long gone. Like I got the Broncos at thirty five to one before um, they hired Hackett. I like basically I got really lucky. I knew they were going to hire Hackett which made me think that they were going to go really hard after Rodgers. They didn't get Rodgers, but they wound up getting Russell Wilson. So I have them at 35 to 1 when they're probably in like 15, 16, 17 range now. And then I have Packers at like 18 or 19 to 1 because I started realizing just reading the Rodgers tea leaves that there was no way they were going to get rid of him and that like they were working on a contract. So I have them at a good number. So what I do with 
futures is I try to stay away from the heavy favorites, especially this far in advance. So like, I'm not going to be picking the bucks or, um, anybody like that right now. Um, I, I try and build like five or six things that I think are going to really appreciate by November, December and into January, and then make it so that I can hedge them out by betting on their opponents in the playoffs. If I want to like guarantee like profiting from those picks. So, the three I have now in the NFL are I really like the Patriots at 40 to one. They were, um, well, they were six to one in mid December this past year to wow, win the Super Bowl. Um, and they were like, I don't know, in the, cause you remember they, they took the lead in the AFC East. They had the pole position yeah. and the, the Bills came back and overtook them. But, um, at one point in December, the Patriots were six to one. You look at it and you're like, do you think there's a decent chance Bill Belichick ever wins another Super Bowl? I'd say yes. So if you're getting him at 40 to one, I'm taking it. Um, do football I think- Outsiders had him at one for a lot of the year last year. Aaron Schatz and Football Outsiders. And he's a Patriot fan. He's like, even I don't like him this much, but they were at number one. And that's usually a pretty, uh, pretty predictive metric. Yeah. So. 40 to one, um, it, you know, it's as low as 35 to one in some places, but 40 to one is like, I think a bad number for them. Um, another one that I think is a bad number is the Titans at 30 to one. You can find that number on rivers heading into the playoffs this past year. They were eight to one. Um, now their division got a little bit stronger because the Colts got Matt Ryan and I think he's going to be an upgrade over Carson Wentz, but I still would think that the Titans should win the division. And if they don't, they should still at least get in. And when you're getting like, you know, people remember Ryan Tannehill kind of crapping the bed, but they were tied going into the fourth quarter against the Bengals in that playoff game last year. Uh, they only lost by three. You know, if, if Derrick Henry is more healthy this season, not coming off, you know, two-month-plus absence going into the playoffs, you'd think that um, they have a shot at it. So, again, like Patriots and Titans, do I think they should be the favorites? No. I just think at 30-1 to and 40-1 to – that they're good numbers. And then the last one along those lines is the Cowboys at 18 to one. Um, they were 12 to one headed into the playoffs last year. I still think they should win their division. They lost Amari Cooper, but he didn't produce that much for them last season. He was in and out, you know, COVID, etc. Even when he was playing, he wasn't the star. Um, people have, you know, Mike, McCarthy PTSD and the fact everyone knows Cowboys haven't won. They've only won three playoff games since like the Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin era. But just cause they've like gagged in the past doesn't mean they're going to do that again. And so at 18 to one, I like them. Uh, Annie, do you play any season win totals over unders? I have not taken a look at those carefully enough yet. I'll put you on the spot here. Jets five and a half. What do you think? Uh, what's the juice at? Uh, I like minus one twenty either way. It's nothing crazy. Okay. I can look it up. I think I'd go under with them. Um, just because I what what evidence have you seen in the last two or three years 
that they're going to win more than a third of their games. Tough schedule, too. At Cleveland, at Green Bay, at Miami, at Minnesota, at New England, Buffalo, Miami, New England, Baltimore, Cincinnati, Chicago, Detroit, Pittsburgh, at Buffalo, at Denver, Jacksonville, at Seattle. That's we don't really easy. know. We don't really we know, don't know if yeah. schedules are hard or whatever yet. Seattle just, just, just breaks in weird ways. Yeah, you're right. But I would go under, but it's more of a stay away. And I think the AFC has the extra road game this year. The 17th game still screws me up a little bit, but I think it's they rotate which years. Yeah, like I, think... I, I can't do over and unders with the 17 games yet. It's going to take me a few years to like know, okay, this is an 11-win team, you know? There's no 8-8 eight and eight teams anymore. Come on, we need some 8-8 eight and eight teams to like really base you know our thoughts on. I'll, I'll throw one more at you, Giants, over under 7. Seven's big. I was saying they would improve this year because yeah. I think that Dable's going to be like a very good coach for them. Totally agree. But you know, for for them to go over to go to win eight, know. like you know, know, you could see them hitting the seven. Like if it was six and a half, yeah. it'd be much more attractive than seven. Yeah, I totally agree. I was looking. I, I totally agree. Just directionally, Dable be better than Judge. Anybody be better than Judge? Uh, you know, they'll get a couple draft picks. They weren't awful midway through the year. They weren't awful. Remember, they were playing pretty good defense. They were like four and six. The last month, six weeks, they became a joke. It really started with that press conference. And boy, they just once Jones got hurt, and I'm not a huge fan of Jones. They just had no backup quarterback. Glennon was awful. Fromm was awful. They couldn't get the ball, you know, past midfield. So. I would think I, they'd be a little better, but seven's a stretch. This is, like, very random, and if anyone's listening this far, I appreciate it. But um, I think that fat people are undervalued, not just in <laughs> football, but, like, in all walks of life. Like, you think about how much of America is fat, and then think about how many fat people you see on TV, and it's not nearly the same amount but look at like fat football coaches like McCarthy I get it like he, he has his blemishes but he won a Super Bowl Andy Reid and Bill Belichick I think other than maybe Sean McVay like I'd say the, those three are the best coaches in the league and so I think that fat people are undervalued and that's driving some of my analysis that I think that Dable performs well with the Giants and, you know, you got to look at, like, you have to give him a lot of credit for Josh Allen. It's been memory hold, but I agree. Like the the consensus, you know, cool analytical draft opinion on draft Josh Allen. Not accurate. The draft, inaccurate, tall. Like, people just like him because he's tall and he has a strong arm. Look at his stats. His completion percentage was terrible. Now look at him. Like he, you have to give um, coaching credit when these players dramatically outperform what their projections are. And so um, I, I don't know that like we haven't seen anything from like Daniel Jones to say that he's going to be any good. But you'd think that. If he has any capacity to be better, he will be under this new coaching regime. Well, I tweeted this out uh, on a different note. Raptors were plus 475 on the money line for the second half, and they won the second half by a point. They were up 14 at the half, and they won the game by 15. So like I said, we will have a game six as the Raptors. Boy, the Sixers were just never in the game. Never in it, the game. It's so weird. These Doc Rivers teams just yeah. like – 
collapse. If only he were fat. If only he put some weight on. I mean, I haven't seen him under the suit. He could maybe just you know eat a little bit there more. Really, there really are. There's no such thing as like a fat NBA coach. That just proves my. No. They're totally discriminated against in all walks of life. No. Yeah. Yeah. I can Majerus in college, myself, but yeah. I'm not orca fat, but I'm certainly like you know I go to the doctor and they say I'm overweight. So. <laughs> Hey, we're just trying to find a different angle. We're trying to come at it. Look, we're trying to give you some winning information. If it's an unpursued market, we're just trying to trying to uncover some gems that, for you. So that I appreciate on, it. That on undervalued fat people. <laughs> Value comes in all different shapes and sizes, literally. But um, what do you think about the Cowboys at 18 to 1? What what was your take on that? Because I think you agreed with me at least somewhat on Pats and Titans. Yeah, I like the Pats. Uh, the AFC, man, it's just going to be hard for me to, to pick one of these AFC teams. I, that's why I, you know the Titans have a pretty easy division, like you mentioned. It's just the AFC is loaded. I can't remember a div- like a conference just being this. I don't know well, if you want to call it lopsided. I, that's why I have five, six horses, you know? Yeah, no, it's a good strategy. Uh, that that's what I do in all. I did it in college basketball, and it worked with Kansas. I got super lucky. So, um, Thomas Casale, I think he works for Action Network now, but um, he he said preseason bet on Kansas basketball eighteen to one. He also picked Auburn at sixty six to one, which is a great wow. pick, even though it flamed out. But I had those two horses, and I had a couple others. But so I, I had. Kansas, um, and then in North versus North Carolina in the finals, I bet the Carolina spread and I got the middle on the hedge, which was just, wow. you know, you live for those moments as a better. Wow. That out of bounds was a treat for you. It Although was. I have to say, I fell people... asleep in the final two minutes too, cause I'm old and I have a one and a three-year-old and I have to get up at six every day to pick, to like take my dogs out. And so I missed like what was one of like the greatest moments of my betting life. You did boy. That's a tough one, but that's a, that's a hell of a rush. I mean, you, you got short changed on the amount of time in the rush, but that I've been there when you, oh, when you I check your phone, five 30 to check what happened. Yeah. You, and the, you that you wakes you up really like, quick. Yes! That wakes you up really quick. Yeah. I have done that. The quick, uh, the quick wake up and check your phone. Although sometimes betting part of the, the fun of betting is the rush, the two hour, you know, kind of adrenaline thing when you just check your phone, it's like a 30 second rush, but I know boy, that's a hell of a feeling. Although I think it's, you know, people that bet, uh, what was it, Kansas in that game and laid the four and a half, saying that was a bad beat. They were in the one and one. The chances that he makes both free throws under pressure, and then Carolina still would have had time on the other end, you know, to, to backdoor cover you. Carolina led most of that game. So I don't think that was as bad a beat for Kansas backers as everyone said. No, it, I mean, there's certainly been worse. Yeah, there's been worse. All right, Ryan, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, tell everyone where they can find your work. Uh, New York Post, Ryan Glasspiegel. I write a lot of like, you know, tabloid gossipy stuff. I do some real reporting as well. And I go on Ethan Strauss's call in every Tuesday night. And so you can find me there. Thank you very yeah. much, Will. I appreciate your having me. No problem, man. We got to do it again soon. We had Ethan on a month or so ago. Ethan was great. And you guys, uh, I say this, I mean it sincerely. You guys do something that not a lot of people do, which is you kind of break down the media. You break down how these games are covered. It's really, it's a unique and it's a, it's a fun thing to listen to. So people should check it out. Thank you. I appreciate it. Let me know if you ever come through Chicago. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Ryan Glassbeagle. Enjoyed that. Uh, draft a couple days away. We got some baseball. We got some NBA playoffs still going on. So we'll talk tomorrow. Thank you guys for listening. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.